Welcome to this final episode of the week for of Come Follow Me, a Disciple's Journey. This episode, we'll, uh, we'll discuss sections 35 and 36 of the Doctrine and Covenants. Section 35 is given through uh, the Prophet Joseph to Sidney Rigdon. We talked about Sidney in a previous episode this week uh, and how his, he and his congregation were, were found and baptized. Um, you'll see reference of this in verses 3 through 6. That was sent forth to prepare the way. The Lord tells him, you were, you were prepared. You were sent to prepare the way for these 130 people to be baptized and for you to be baptized. I've, I've been leading you. They called themselves the disciples and, um, they were looking for the truth. And Parley, or excuse me, Parley, Sydney, uh, was one of these leaders and he had been sent and the Lord makes it clear that he had been guiding him all along. He had been sent to, to prepare himself and these other people. Uh, verses 1 through 3, the Lord tells uh, Sidney that he, the, uh, verse, I am Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was crucified for the sins of the world, even as many as will believe on my name, that they may become the sons of God, even one in me as I am one in the Father. So the question is, what does that mean? to be one with him. Brigham Young said, how is it that the Latter-day Saints feel and understand alike are of one heart and one mind, no matter where they may be when they receive the gospel? They receive that which was promised by the Savior when he was about to leave the earth, namely the Comforter, that holy unction from on high who recognizes, which recognizes one God, one faith, and one baptism, whose mind is the will of God the Father, and in whom there dwelleth unity of faith and action and whom there cannot be division or confusion. So we receive the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, it's through the power of the Holy Ghost that we can be unified. The atonement of Christ can cleanse us and have our, our we have our garments washed clean and it can enable us to be better. And as we are uh, more like him and as we are worthy and as we have our sins uh, cleansed, the Holy Ghost, which is the cleansing agent, can come and dwell with, within us. And that Holy Ghost, that power, unifies us. Elder Cook in October 2020 talked about uh, abandoning the parts of our cultures, wherever we may be, that are not in harmony with the gospel and adopting the culture of Christ. As we do that, we become one, not only with each other, but then also with God. And that is a film that's fulfilling Christ's uh, great intercessory prayer given in John 17 that he prays not for for the world, but those whom the Father has given him out of the world, that they may be one Father, as I am with you. These are the words of the prayer that he gave on his last night uh, in mortality. And so, Sidney is urged to what? Continue to be faithful, to have the Spirit, so that he may be one even as God, uh, even as Christ is one with the Father. Verses uh, 13 and 14, it says, Wherefore I call upon the weak things of the world, those who are unlearned and despised to thrash the nations by the power of my spirit. And their arm shall be my arm, and I will be their shield and their buckler, and I will gird up their loins, and they shall fight manfully for me. And their enemies shall be under their feet, and I will let fall the sword 
in their behalf, and by the fire of my indignation will I preserve them. So one thing you'll note is that I read from my hard copy of the scriptures, and I read the word thrash, the nations. If you're reading in the digital version, you're going to read the word thresh. Uh, the church changed the word thrash to thresh, I think, in the 2000, in 2013. So any, any printed uh, scriptures past th- 2013 are going to have the word thresh. So T-H-R-E-S-H rather than T-H-R-A-S-H. So what's that mean? What's the difference? Actually, not a whole lot. Uh, this word is found in the, well, this expression uh, of thrashing the nations, thrashing the nations, is also found in the Old Testament, which, lucky for me, it's found in the Old Testament, which then make, made me say, uh, I want to go look at the Hebrew. As for those of you who've listening or who've been listening for a little while, know I've been studying Hebrew. Not an expert, but you know, I'm learning something. Um, and so it's in Habakkuk chapter three in the old Testament and the Hebrew word that's used there is douche. And so it can be translated into the English as thresh or thrash. But basically what it means is, uh, it's what you would do to grain you to, to separate the valuable kernels of grain and the straw and like the rest of just like the the garbage of it would are separated that's it's the that's the threshing or thrashing process the douche in hebrew can be translated as either thrash or thresh but that's the process that it's talking about and so what what's the lord saying to us to uh sydney rigdon was that he chooses the, the weak things of the world which is what i mean let's be honest all of us we talk about the least of these, my brethren. When you, I think, oftentimes when you when we read like that that that, that verse in the New Testament, the Lord or the Savior says, uh, "Inasmuch as you you've done it unto one of these, the least of my brethren, you've done it unto me." I think oftentimes we put ourselves into the position of doing something to the least of these, my brethren, which I don't think is wrong. I think the Lord is teaching us to serve others, absolutely. But what others is He teaching us to serve? Everyone, literally everyone. That's because we are all the least. I think we need to flip it sometimes and say, I'm the least. I'm the least of these. I'm a sinner. I have fallen short of the glory of God. What lack I yet? And, and you know, look internally that way. But when we do that, the Lord t- then p- tells us things like this. Wherefore, I call upon the weak things of the world, those who are unlearned and d- despised, to thrash the nations by the power of my spirit. He, tell- he says, you... Jarrett, you're weak. You're unlearned. I mean, I choose you to help separate and gather, to thresh, gather the valuable kernels, to gather Israel. And by allowing us to be a part of that process, he helps us to be a little less weak, a little more like him to lengthen our stride, and it gives us that power, that ability, through our experience of being called and chosen. Um, I'm going to end with my favorite verse. Well, one of my favorite verses from this week's study. They actually both came from, I think, this section, and it, it's the one we just talked about in, in Thrashing the Nations in verses 13 and 14. Uh, before I get to the other one, which is verse 24, just a side note, um, Oliver Cowdery and uh, one of the Whitmer brothers 
had been acting as a scribe for Joseph Smith, they've both now at this time been called to go out and serve missions to the Lamanites, right? And to go out and preach the gospel just uh, in in the United States at this time. So Joseph is going to be left with no scribe. This section, Sidney Rigdon is called um, specifically to fill that vacancy. Verse 24, though, is one of my favorites. It says, Keep all the commandments and covenants by which ye are bound, and I will cause the heavens to shake for your good. And Satan shall tremble, and Zion shall rejoice upon the hills and flourish. What covenants have you made? Have you been to the temple? Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've only been baptized and haven't had an opportunity to uh, go to the temple. Keep all the commandments and covenants by which ye are bound. What covenants are you bound by? Only the ones you've made. Only the ones that you've made to this point. But the Lord, the promise is the same here. Keep the commandments and the covenants by which ye are bound. So, is that your baptismal covenants? Is it the covenants you made in getting the priesthood? Is it the covenants you made uh, when you were endowed? Was it the covenants you made in being sealed? What, how, what, what covenants have you made? doesn't matter. Find those covenants. What are they? Keep them. And I will cause the heavens to shake for your good, and Satan shall tremble. By making and keeping sacred covenants, we are given power to make Satan tremble. Reminds me of the scripture in Isaiah when Isaiah is seeing the end of the day, end of days, and when we will see Satan and we'll see Lucifer for who he is, and we'll say, "Is this the man that made the the, the nations of the earth quake with fear?" And, and this is the guy. Why will we be able to? Say, why will we be, we be able to say that? Because we will be uh, given. We will have the power given to us. We will be like Christ. We will have His power. And his light. And that comes day by day by making and keeping sacred covenants, by keeping on the covenant path. Verse 36, excuse me, section 36 uh, is given to um, Joseph Smith. We're now in December 1830, and it's to a man named Edward Partridge. He came uh, looking for Joseph Smith, had heard about it, had heard about the, the Golden Bible and just what was all the goings on. He tried to find Joseph, couldn't find him, started asking around um, and said, you know, people said really good things about Joseph, except for until they, basically what his story was. They told me really good things about Joseph and all of you people all the way up until Joseph started talking about this gold Bible. And so then he was still interested, um, though, and came and ended up finding a, a community of the saints and just kind of watching them, seeing how they worked and they lived. And he was convinced that these were good people. Uh, went to a meeting. Joseph spoke. At the end of the meeting, he said, does anyone want to say anything? And Edward Partridge said, yeah, this is what, this is, hey, this is what I've done. This is how I came to be here. And I believe everything you've taught, and I believe that I believe this, and I'm ready to be baptized if Brother Joseph will baptize me. Joseph said, "Well, you look pretty tired. It's kind of late. We better do it tomorrow." So, the next day, Joseph baptized uh, Brother Partridge. Something unique about this section is that not only is Edward Partridge called to go serve and and to preach the gospel, but the Lord makes clear that everybody 
It says every man who receives the gospel and the priesthood is to be called to go forth and preach. Now, that was for that time, as every man that, that received the priesthood was going to literally be sent out. But I think that's to us. Every person who receives the gospel and the priesthood, which is not just men, if you've received covenants, if you've undertaken covenants, if you've uh, gone uh, through the ordinances of the gospel and baptism, the temple, and made covenants, that's what? That's by and from and through the power of the priesthood of God that you now have access to. So you have it, right? You in it, you have received the gospel and the priesthood. And so that's it's to all of us. It's, it behooves every man who has been saved to save his neighbor, to preach the gospel to his neighbor. Uh, and so that's one thing that is, I think, more clear in this section than in the previous sections when other others were called. Again, we hear, as with the voice of a trump, loudly, boldly. Um, verse 2, it's the Lord says, I will lay my hand upon you. Well, did the Lord lay his hands? No. But... Harold B. Lee said, The Lord here is saying that when one of his authorized servants puts his hands by authority upon the head of one to be blessed, it is as though he himself was putting his hands on with them to perform that ordinance. So we begin to see how he manifests his power among men through his servants, to whom he has committed the keys of the, of authority. It's just like if he did put his hands on his head, though. Um, verse 2 Interesting uh, phrase here. Thou shalt receive my spirit, the Holy Ghost, even the Comforter, which shall teach you the peaceable things of the kingdom. What are the peaceable things of the kingdom? It, it, does that mean we're going to have peace in our day, in our life, and no Trump tumult? No, but what it means is that the saints who receive the Holy Ghost, who are worthy, who keep themselves worthy, can receive and will receive peace from Christ through the Spirit, through the Comforter. And we will be the, receive peace and assurance that the courses, the course that we're taking and that we're, we choose to take is the correct one because we'll have the Spirit and that peace to guide us to avoid the decisions that we shouldn't make and to help us walk down the path that we should. Verse 3, And you shall declare it with a loud voice, saying, Hosanna. What does Hosanna mean? It says, Save us. God, save us. Hebrew word. Um, and so as we go preach the gospel with the sound of a trump shouting Hosanna, does that mean we have to go shout Hosanna to people? No, but the message that we're going to deliver is good. It is that we that God will save us. That we can be saved from the craziness that is the world today. The, the confusion of Social media and news media and current events and politics that can we can be apart from that. We don't have to have that turmoil and that anxiety inside of us now, and we can have eternal life in the world to come because God has saved us, because He has sent His Son. Uh, verse 8, I think uh, I wanted to address because it says. I am Jesus Christ, the Son of God, wherefore gird up your loins, and I will suddenly come to my temple. point I want to talk about here is girding up your loins. What does that even mean? And 
say that because verse 35 or section 35 and verse 14 says, and I will gird up their loins. So what does that mean? Like there's this difference here. One of them says to gird up your loins. One says he will gird up our loins. I think before we can even ask ourselves. And I honestly, I think I have some thoughts, but I don't even know if I feel like I want to share them because I'm they're not fully formed about what the difference is in between him girding our loins and us girding our loins. But I think for you to ask that question, for you to maybe see a difference, we got to understand what that means. And it's actually not even that complicated. Basically what it means is, so think of like a tunic, like a, like think of like any time you've seen a church produce video of has Christ and he's wearing like this one piece garment, right? Where you've got, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a long shirt, man dress. Just kidding. I don't know. Like, but it's a tunic type of thing, right? One piece of clothing that covers your whole body. It might go down like all the way to your ankles or maybe just like to the knees or so. But if you were to need to like go into battle or you're going to have to run and you needed your legs to be free, what they would do is they would fold that up. They'd be wearing a belt gird and they would tuck it into that belt. So now it's just like to like covering just like their thighs, right? So then now you can run much more freely. You have more freedom of movement. So that's basically what it means. Concerning the gospel, what does it mean? Prince Libby Kimball said, I feel when we have done all in our power, the Lord will find a way to open doors. But I can see no good reason why the Lord would open doors that we are not prepared to enter. When I ask for more missionaries, I am not asking for more testimony barren or unworthy missionaries. I am asking that we start earlier, train our missionaries better in every branch and every ward in the world. That is another challenge that young people will understand that it is a great privilege to go on a mission and that they must be physically well, mentally well, spiritually well, and the Lord cannot look upon sin with the least degree of allowance. Basically what he was saying is I want you in the church to gird up your loins, fold up that cloth, so that you can do your part. You can be more actively engaged in the gospel. Lengthen your stride. can't lengthen your stride if you're wearing a tunic that goes all the way to your, length, your ankles. You can't run, right? You can't uh, uh, build upon what you, where you already are if, you've, if you're going to be entangled with your clothing, symbolically speaking here. But that's what it means to gird up your loins. Um, so it's actually pretty simple. I like had this kind of thought about it before in learning about girding up our loins, but I was like, you know what? I really, I want to find this out. So I did some research and that's what it means. So, uh, when we talk about it in terms of a battle, uh, in, in the, in the armor of God, it's because before they'd go into battle, they would have to do that. They would gird up their loins, pull, pull up and gird it around their waste. So now they can have much more freedom of movement to go into battle. But as President Kimball said, if we will do our part, then the Lord will open those doors when we're ready to go through them. And so as President Nelson has asked us, you know, what debris do we need to clean? What things do we need to girt about our loins, pull them out so they're no longer uh, inhibiting us, as we take the time to reflect and make those decisions, and as we do our part, the Lord will bless us. The Lord will bless our families. He will bless us with peace in this life, 
eternal life in the world to come. But right now, what does that mean? What is it? What does it? How does it impact us right now? What it means is peace. It means no matter what happens to us, no matter losing loved ones, losing our, our own good health, losing a job, these things we can see through the eye of a loving heavenly Father. We can see through the with an eye of faith through the eternities to know this is just a small time. Hosanna, God has saved us. God save us because he, he has already sent his son. As we do our little part to qualify for that faith, for that uh, peace, that calm, the Lord will send it. And as I mentioned in, in previous discussion, the deliverance from the trial may come soon, it may came, come later. But the peace can come and will come now because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, because the tomb was empty, because he suffered on the cross, because he suffered in Gethsemane, because he lived a perfect life. Because of all of that, the peace will come as we make ourselves worthy and qualified for it. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy your study this week. Look forward to hearing from you. Look forward to studying with you next week as we continue our study of the Doctrine and Covenants. Best of luck, and I hope to talk to you next week.